want to ASMR to get out of the whale? Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, you have stopped in for a visit with your friend, Dr. Andrew Michaels. He invites you in, and as occasionally happens with your good friend, the doctor, the conversation goes ever so slightly off topic. Good afternoon. How are you today? Oh, I know it's so cold. Most of this country is in the midst of the worst cold weather I have seen this year. No, I understand that. No, no, please. Keep your coat on. Keep yourself warm and comfortable. The last thing I would want you to do is to be uncomfortable in any way. Please, have a seat. Please sit down. Well, I know part of my job is to make you feel comfortable and at home, but the other part of my job is to make sure you're open to listening. And you're certain, certainly not going to listen to somebody who's standoffish and bullying and giving you orders. Oh, I'm glad you see it that way. I deal with a lot of people every day. Only takes a little bit of effort to be nice to everyone, doesn't it? It really does. I have your file right here. And uh, I believe this is actually the first time you've visited with us. Mm -hmm. Well, don't worry. Everything's kept in the strictest of confidence. And I know that you feel like people don't appreciate you or want you around, but you're always more than welcome here. Now you can come here any time, and you're always welcome. It's never a bad time. It's never a bad time to say hello to a friend now, is it? <laughs> I know I... I talk to people a lot about making time for friends. But if the person doesn't think anybody wants to make time for them, how do we let them know that they're more than welcome to say hi? See what I mean? It's kind of... Uh, I don't know. Well, yes, I mean... You have to get the word out there, and you hope that somebody hears you. But at the end of the day, if your friend doesn't reach out for help, reach out to talk to someone, 
or hear the words you're saying. It's like the old question, if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody really hear it? Does it really make a sound? So we can talk to our friends all we want, but if they're deaf to the words coming out of our mouth, I guess we have to switch to smoke signals or <laughs> message flags, right? Yeah. Semaphore? That's right. That's what the flags were. Remember those? We'll have to send a message through semaphore flags. <laughs> Maybe we can get them to look then. Well, you know the old joke, you know. Really? You feel that way too? Really? You feel like nobody really wants to listen to you or have you around? What? What is this? Is this is this your own mind playing tricks on you? Is that where this comes from? This... Well, yeah, you know, I think over time, if you feel rejection and, you know, friends move on and family move on and they don't keep in touch like they used to, I could see where you feel a sense of rejection, and, and I can understand that. That's doesn't mean there's other people that don't want to say hello or say hi. Hmm. Well, I think you came to the right place because you are welcome here. Anytime, 24-7, all you have to do is walk in and say hello and I'll sit down and have a word with you. And it's not my job either. Mm-mm. This is just something I do in my spare time. And when I don't have spare time to say hello, somebody else takes my job for me. That's right. Well, hmm, do I get paid? Yeah, I, I do get paid to say hello to you, but it's not my regular job. It's This is more like a hobby. This is more like something I put back in the system. You see, I don't want people to feel like you. And I don't like feeling that way myself. So I'm willing to come here, sit down, have a nonsensible, weird, strange, just rattling conversation with you. And of course, my mind works that way too. I'm, I'm all over the place with my ideas and my stories and my adventures. One minute I'm in World War II and the next I'm in the future fighting off some crazy super robot <laughs> I know I know I, it, that always made me wonder about that why didn't they just put a switch in there to turn the robots off I mean you have a key to turn your car off don't you you'd think they're you know you don't want the battery to run dead so why don't they just put an on off switch that you know remote switch on the robots they have everything else don't they I know, and you know, all the robots would just turn it off. Now, how could they turn it off if they didn't even know it was in there? Like, the last thing you do is tell the robots that you put a stop and start switch in them. I mean, even Data had a stop switch on his back, an on-off switch. 
you remember that episode? Remember? And they said, oh, it's funny you never told me about that. And he goes, if you had an on-off switch on your back, would you want everyone to know? <laughs> and it was on his back where he couldn't really reach it. That's the funny part. You know, like just like a toy. Oh, my God. It was so... There was just... You know, you watch Data for like, you know, years on uh, The Next Generation. He was just the most incredible character. And right from the very start, you know, Riker comes in to meet him and says, Hello, Pinocchio. And, you know, that was the whole idea. He was this little automaton, you know, wanting to be a boy. And it was so cool to see him. And... You know, you really got involved with the character, and then one day they turn him off. <laughs> they turn him off. Oh my god. I know. Is that the weirdest thing? It's like he leans over, and you know, she sticks her hand up in his back and click. And it's like, oh my god, this is too weird. It's just like those little robot toys we had when we were kids. Remember that used to have the little doors on them, and uh, their heads spun around and their bodies spun. And they had sparks and electronic uh, lights all over them. And they would, you know, walk up to you, spin around. And then they would open up these little doors on their chest. And little guns would come out and they'd shoot you. Oh, God, I love those things. I know, I I would kill. I would literally kill to get one of those now. And not off eBay, you know, because it's half broken already. I mean, I want one out of the box. There should be a company out there that's making these things. You know what I'm saying? They make everything else, don't they? I know. They're even going to remake the Titanic. They're going to build a new a new Titanic. Did you see that? Now, who in the hell are they going to sell tickets for the maiden voyage? Nobody's going to buy a ticket. I I know I would love to, to sail on the Titanic. I agree with you. But who in their right mind is going to pay for a first-class ticket? They're making an, an exact replica. So you're going to pay like $5,000 to go first-class on the Titanic. Knowing the history of this thing, I don't think so. I think they'll do better with the second voyage. Might do better on ticket sales. Plus, the design of the Titanic was a faulty design. It didn't have a real good turn radius. Uh, it was too big and underpowered and there was a lot of little things that were wrong with it and it had a terrible turning radius and uh, to move the ship that heavy and that big the way it was designed it actually had a suction that pulled ships and things into the into the back side of the ship so I mean there were uh, different design flaws are they going to put all that in there are they going to have men down there stoking the old boiler now who in the hell are they going to get to do that could you imagine that? I'm telling you, I, 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 I don't know anybody who needs a job that bad that they're going to go down here and breathe noxious coal fumes and dust, coal dust, be dirty from head to foot, shoveling coal into a boiler to keep the old Titanic a rolling over the ocean so some first class guy can eat croutons, or not croutons, what do they call them? Capons, whatever. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with his scones, with his tea. Hello, my dear, how are you today? Oh, I just love orange scones. Oh, they're so delightful. How would you pass me a biscuit? And there's some guy over there going like, oh, holy hell, it's hotter than hell down here. What's going on? This place is like, 
This is morbid. You know, I'm not going down with the ship. And that's the other thing. Like, if you build an exact replica of the Titanic, the thing's got to crack in half and go to the bottom of the ocean. Right? Because that's what it did last time, was design flaw. So, who the hell's going to vote for that? Like, alright, you you guys, um, it's your turn to, to, to take the Titanic to the bottom of the ocean. Hell no. I'm not riding that. I'm not riding the wave. No. You know, it's just like, I knew this guy. I gotta tell you a story. No, I know you, I know, but, oh, you're gonna love this story. Can I tell you, please? No, no, this is, no, we're not gonna talk about popular culture. This is a personal story. I'm gonna tell you a real story that I actually know. No, I remember this. I worked with this guy. He was a great guy. He was a veteran, uh, hard worker, uh, really dedicated to his job. And when he was a young man, he was working in this uh, carpenter shop and they had these big layout tables to, to lay out the wood and everything. And they'd get sawdust and everything on them. And his job at night was to clean off all the workbenches. Now these were big tables, sometimes like 15, 20 feet long. And they were real wide. You know, like maybe 10 feet wide. So they were like big square blocks of wood that they could build nice level flat projects on. And they were so big, they were hard to clean. So he got this bright idea. I'll just, you know, stand on top of the tables, sweep them off, you know, with a, with a floor broom. You know, I'll just broom them off like I'm sweeping the floor because these tables are so big. And he found out it was so much quicker. You know, he got his job done really fast. He would jump up with his broom and, you know, with a push broom. And he would... Oh, this is a really funny story. I don't know why I'm telling it right now. But he would jump up and he would clean these tables off. So he's sweeping them just like he's sweeping the floor. And we get to the edge, of course, the you know, the sawdust and all the other, you know, material falls to the floor. And then he would run around real quick and sweep everything up really quick so he got to the very end of this one table and he kind of like literally painted himself into a corner there was no way to get down from the table uh, he was kind of like stuck there if he jumped one way he would he would go down a landing you know down a set of steps so he couldn't go that way so he had to walk back over and he's like well i'll just jump down i'll just throw my broom down and i'll just jump off well, being a young, brash guy, he just thought he'd, you know, jump down would be no problem. He throws his broom down, and it, you know, kind of hooks on a piece of equipment. And when he jumps down, the broom handle, the very end of the broom handle, got stuck on his pants and slid up his leg. And he literally impaled himself on the end of this broom. He was stuck riding this broom. And he couldn't fall one way or the other. He was stuck straight up and down, literally balanced on the end of this broom. And it it was like, just for a few seconds, he was like stuck. And he kind of wiggled and he fell to one side. And, you know, he got off the broom and landed. And he had <laughs> torn a hole in his, uh, his scrotum. That's his, you know, ghibli bits, the, the part that hangs down. You know, on most men, uh, <laughs> he actually tore a hole 
in his scrotum. And he's laying there in incredible pain. The most incredible pain a human male can endure. Uh, I They say it doesn't equal pregnancy, but I've never seen a woman get kicked in the doodads before, so I wouldn't know. If I could go through one pregnancy and not get kicked in the doodads 15, 20 times uh, a year by people, you know, that casually don't notice they hit you with their grocery bag or something, it might be worth a pregnancy to not have to go through that in public. So he rode the broom. He rode the broom. He rode it right down. And he tore a hole in his scrotum. So he didn't know what to do. He really didn't know what to do. So he had to call for help. Now he laid there for like maybe an hour or two, wounded. He finally got up and managed to get to a phone and call for help. So they take him to the hospital and it's like, you know, we'll, we're going to help you. Everything's okay. They you know, patched him up, sewed up the little tear on his uh, ghibli bits. And, uh, you know, he's all stitched up and he's okay. He's going to be all right. And they're asking, like, what happened? And he has to tell everyone ha what happened. So he starts making up all these excuses that he got, you know, caught on a doorknob. You know, that he fell. He was doing this. He was doing that. It's almost like a crime scene, you know. They, they, they corner him and they're playing good cop, bad cop, trying to get the truth out of him. He won't tell. So finally he... They said, none of this makes sense. Uh, just, just tell us what happened so we, you know, we can fix it. We can fix what happened. We can make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, it's an accident. We really want to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen in the workplace anymore. We don't want anybody walking around getting their you know, ghibli bits caught on a door handle, if that's what you said happened. We've got to modify some of the doors because, you know, he was saying, like, you know, an automatic door swung out and did it, and that didn't make sense, and they couldn't make it work and so they said just tell us the truth so finally he says oh, okay all right i'm gonna tell the truth i got up on the table and i was sweeping the tables off with a floor broom a push broom and i was sweeping all the work work tables and work benches off and then i threw the broom down and when i jumped down the broom got caught on my pant leg slid up between my legs and I rode the broom for about three or four seconds and tore my scrotum and I fell over and landed and then like two hours later I was able to finally get up and call for help and they all looked at him and said okay just tell us what really happened just just tell us what really happened and how you got injured and we so we can fix it at work because we don't want people walking around uh, you know, getting hurt at work, and if you just tell us the truth, we'll, you know, we'll fix it. We'll make sure nobody gets hurt again. And he's like, that is th that that and like no 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 you did you didn't no you didn't ride the broom. Yeah, I did. I rode a broom. I I actually, and they went back and forth a little bit, and they said, you know, this really isn't working out for you here. So um, you're a really great employee, but um, you know. We we're kind of slow right now, so we're 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 gonna let you we're gonna let you go. Yeah, okay. Well, if we need you, we'll we'll call you back. So, you know, that was the way that went. And <laughs> I love that story. I don't know why that story makes me laugh so much. 
it's just uh, it's a nonsense silly story but could you imagine this guy with his arms flailing out and his legs flailing you know there's nothing to grab you're in mid-air with this broom handle luckily the broom handle didn't have a sharp end on it but uh it's you know stuck up in you and you're flailing around with your arms and legs looking like a frog that just got you know stuck in the bayou practically you're just a flailing along saying hey yeah 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 you impaled me but you didn't it's not a killing shot you know put me out of my misery for for god's sake don't make me suffer i just that image in my mind is just so funny oh my goodness i when i was a little me too i i did the same thing when i was a little boy i would you know get up on top of the old wood rail fences and my dad and mom you know you're in a fall you're in a fall and i learned to balance and ran across the top of those old yeah split rail fences i was able to walk across them i was really good at it i had really great balance when i was younger and one day somebody yelled at me about uh walking on that fence and you're gonna fall and i turned and said i'm not gonna fall i've never fell yet and i slipped and went right down between my legs and cracked that luckily the fence post you know the uh, fence rail not a fence post the fence rail cracked and broke and I, and I landed so luckily I didn't get hurt um, too much it, it kind of hit me on the side of the leg and it just you know snapped from my weight which was funny because I'm walking on it and that wasn't enough to break it but when I fell it snapped right in half so sooner or later I was gonna fall and get hurt anyway and um, yeah just to let you know that was the last time I walked across the fence when I was little, you know, probably like 13, 14 years old. I was probably getting too heavy to do it. You know, I could do it when I was little because I didn't weigh a lot. Then I had a growth spurt and I started getting bigger and bigger, you know, and heavier and those fence posts were probably like creaking, you know, they'd been up for a while. And uh, those old rails were getting dry and, you know, brittle. And I landed right on one and cracked it. My dad threw a fit. Oh my God, was he mad. He made us work all day on stupid projects around the house you know we all got punished because i did something stupid that's the way that he did things back then so then you know don't punish me and leave the kids alone everybody got punished so this time it was my fault so we put my brother and i put that rail back together and uh it was in a real bad spot where everybody would see it so we went around and found like a another uh, fence rail that wasn't you know something everybody would look at every day and we switched them out and uh, put a brand not brand new one but one that wasn't broken in place and we put the one I cracked in half back together luckily it went right back together and uh, you know a little wood glue and then we um, bolted not bolted it we nailed a piece of wood across the back side to hold it together and we put it on put it repl replaced it with the one that was good so then everybody was happy you know so my dad and mom were happy <laughs> oh it was funny yeah back then they had that colonial everybody was going for that colonial look they wanted their little split rail fences and you know little rock walls and stuff yeah oh i grew up right around the bicentennial and everybody was getting into the super patriotic feeling in america you were either horribly 
countercultured or you were super patriotic. Oh my goodness, it was wild. Stars and stripes everywhere, everybody wearing flag shirts and flag hats, flag buttons. And and I've kind of grown up with it, you know. I I think I don't think it's a problem, but I do think it's a strange American pastime to be patriotic. We all are so worried we're not patriotic enough. Everybody has to be patriotic. And there's new levels to it, you know. Um, of course, you know, after, right after Vietnam, there was a certain, you know, feeling that we should be patriotic. Again, we should love our country. We should, you know, be more welcoming to those who came back and, and different things. And, you know, we had to fix this. We had to make it right. And then as the 80s went on with your Rambo and your all those kind of stuff and, you know, like... Um, Chuck Norris movies and things that kind of got this strange, you know, sense of patriotism from, you know, no one left behind. And then, of course, with the Persian Gulf War, everybody, oh my goodness, everybody was super patriot. <laughs> everybody was wanting to sign up. I remember working at a power plant and uh, when uh, the Persian Gulf War broke out, and I'd had wife, kids, I was in my early 30s when the Persian Gulf War broke out. I think, I, I can't remember exactly how old I was. And, no, I was in my late 20s. Yeah, I'd still be in my 20s. And, but I still had two kids, and I was going to sign up. We were all going to sign up. Everybody thought, well, if this drags on, we're going to have to sign up. I'll be a, sign up with the Navy, and I'll work in a shipyard. I'll be one of those guys down there in the engine room. <laughs> I'll be a bosun's mate. <laughs> Then I could have been like one of those guys in the Titanic. I could have been down in the bottom of the boat trying to keep from uh, drowning, you know, like, I'll keep putting uh, diesel fuel into this motor here, uh, Sergeant, but uh, if this ship's going down, I'm out of here. This rat's jumping off this ship. <laughs> I understand my duty and everything, officer, but uh, if the ship's going down, I'm going over the side. Yes, sir. <laughs> Feet don't fill me now. Hope I don't get trapped down in a bulkhead. Oh, could you imagine that? Hey, let me out. I'm okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, sounds great. Let's sign up for the Navy. Yeah, we'll help the war effort. Lordy, lordy. Now we're all dead. But, yeah, you know, not everybody dies. Somebody always survives, you know, to tell the tales. <laughs> Why not be? Could be me. I could have been a hero. Yeah, instead of a complete chicken coward running out of the bottom of the ship jumping in a lifeboat first time I hear an alarm where's Ensign Wild? he's in the boat again oh, okay yeah go go down and get all the guys out of that uh, lifeboat and put them on report okay thanks data yeah so yeah we can't all be emotionless data's running around on the ship a lot of us uh, get scared and timid want to run first chance to chance we get <laughs> oh yeah this was a wonderful conversation i had a lot of fun tonight i did i oh come on i had a really good time tonight this was fun i really enjoyed this completely silly nonsense conversation it's just small talk oh come on you didn't like it get out of here you want to talk about something serious oh my goodness okay 
I'll tell you what, next week we'll talk about something serious. Because I do this every week with you. I do. And I always make time. I don't know which one I like better. Sitting down just thinking about what you're looking at me and going, what is he saying next? I don't know what I like better. But I do enjoy doing this. I do. Well, I'm glad you came took the time to listen. I really am. I know it's not going to get warm for a while. We're going to have some really wretchedly cold weather, so I will work very hard to keep your heart very warm. And if I can't, we'll have hot cocoa, and I'll wrap your toes in a warm, hot towel. How's that sound? That'll be good if people walk in. Yeah, they'll see that and go, okay, wrong, wrong door. I know. My feet are freezing too. It's it's really hard to keep the circulation going. It really is. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming today. Can't wait to see you again. And, and until I do see you again, please have a most blessed day. All right? Okay. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Cuello. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardojeo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.